Hey, if you've got your Bibles um, or your phone app, turn to Exodus 35. That's where we'll be. And uh, the book of Exodus outlines in details the, uh, the Exodus. Uh, so you've, you've got Moses in the burning bush. You've got the people of Israel enslaved in Egypt. You have the ten plagues. You have the parting of the Red Sea. All of this stuff really happened. All of this was an incredible display of the power of God over all of the gods, little g, of, of Egypt and this, the freedom and then the wandering in the wilderness, if you will, the, the, the journey through the wilderness and all of God's provision for them as outlined in Exodus and, and the manna that he sent. And, you know, all of that good stuff, they still found stuff to grumble about a bunch of Baptists. Right? And so it's like, no matter what we are, right, come on, there's always something. So, so all of this, all this happens and they, and they finally, they go around Mount Sinai and that's where God's going to meet with Moses. So Moses climbs up there and then in chapter 20, you know, God gives Moses the 10 commandments and here's what we're going to, he comes down with, you know, Charlton Heston comes down from the mountain and he's, and he's got the Ten Commandments with him, and, and the people are acting foolish. And, and long story short, God did more than just give them the Ten Commandments. Then from chapter 20 on, it just all the other things that God wanted to share with them. And one of them was, you know, I'm going to have you build a tabernacle. And the tabernacle was like a portable worship place where they would make sacrifices to God. And the Holy of Holies is where God would come and actually meet with them. And, and it was a beautiful, beautiful temporary structure that, that was going was gonna to happen until the actual temple was built in Jerusalem. And so you have now in chapter 35 of the book of Exodus, you have Moses now communicating to the people. So, so he's already told them what this temple is supposed to look like, all the measurements like every ring, how thick the curtain, what kind of material, all of this incredibly detailed description that God gave Moses. He communicates to the people, and then he comes to the people, and he says, all right, now it's time to make this happen. And so in verse 5, chapter, chapter 35 in Exodus, verse 5, Moses says this to the people. He says, he says, take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord. He said, all right, so we're going to make this tabernacle. But we need the stuff to make the tabernacle. And so if you have a willing heart, it's something inside of you. When you look back and you see all that God has done for us, if it's in you to give an offering, we need the stuff to make it happen. And then in verse 10, he says this in every, oh, and then he listed a bunch of stuff, like, like verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, list like, you know, earrings and bracelets and clothing and all that. And then in verse 10, he says, and every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. So he said, all right, first of all, we need all the stuff, and then we're going to need some of you who are really skilled or talented to make all of this stuff. So we're going to have some people that bring all the stuff and then some people that make all the stuff so that we can have this tabernacle. And then I want you to see how the people responded. 
In verse 21, it says, and they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing. I love this. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold, and every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. I love how they responded here. I love how they just jumped in and they just gave as they looked back on all that God had given to them. Their giving was like their first opportunity to give back to God after, after they look back and they look at the culmination of all the events that brought them to where they are. And now, finally, they have the opportunity to give back to God for something God requested and that was such an honor to them. And don't you love the wording here? Like, like they had a willing heart. There was like something inside of them that drove them to do this. So as we are wrapping up this thanks and giving series, we have spent time talking about gratitude, right? And just how much we have to be thankful for and that we're made for gratitude. But I feel like it's a natural next step. It's like, it's like there's this flow that, that doesn't end with just being grateful, there's this thing, I, I, you know, you can call it whatever you want to, but it's, it's like this giving flow. Like when, uh, this is where it ends up. So we've been given this incredible grace from God, and, 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 and grace is simply that which we don't deserve, right? It's, it's, it's undeserved goodness from God himself, and our good, good Father gives us everything that is good. He is the originator of all that is good. And so he makes a way for us to know him and he provides for us and he just showers this grace upon us and then our natural reaction is gratitude. Oh, thank you. This is just so incredible. We don't deserve this and and our gratitude just makes us mindful of how much we actually have, right? It's like when we look around us and we stop and we're going we're gonna to be grateful for what God has given to us, it causes us to do two things. First of all, it causes us to be mindful of all that we do have. And we got a lot. I don't care where you're at in life, I don't know where your economic status is, but we have a lot. I don't care what math formula you use. Like when I'm, when I'm at the store and I'm buying something and I have to have this internal conversation that says, where am I going to put this? <laughs> we have a lot, right? We build a house for our cars. Are you kidding me? Now, I'm not saying we all put our cars in there. That's what they're designed for. We have a lot of stuff. And then we got to build a shed because our garage gets full. And then we have yard sales so somebody else can buy our stuff. So that we can go out and buy more stuff that we're going to sell in a couple more years. 
Like there ought to be this rule that when I, however many items I have in the bag when I walk into my house, that's how many items have to leave my house. Doesn't that make sense, right? We just have so much stuff. So, so grad, when we get all this stuff from God and this grace and we don't deserve any of it, it makes us mindful of our plenty. And the second thing that this gratitude should do for us is it should humble us at God's goodness. And I really believe that, that if we would just pause and realize that there's no such thing as a self-made man, there is no such thing as somebody who is taking care of his own business. Because when God holds your very breath and very heartbeat in his hand and your health. I mean, by the way, your whole opinion changes when you get sick. Right? When you end up having some kind of a heart palpitation or you're going to go see somebody because you're not sure about this lump. All of a sudden, the conversation changes, and you realize how vulnerable you are. We have a lot to be grateful for. We have a lot to express our gratitude for. Life is going fine and dandy until you get in a car wreck, and now you can't work. Just imagine for a moment, if that was taken away from you, how much you would be missing out on, and then turn that around, and let's spend some time being grateful for what we have been given. And the next step, I believe, the next natural step is generosity, and, and, and I want to be very careful. Generosity is not the same as giving, and I've, I've been wordsmithing this all week because I know that we like to exchange words, right? Like generosity is the same as giving. It's not. So in my opinion, generosity is a, is, is a sense of gracious liberality. Like, I want to be liberal. I want to be a giving person. I'm, and so, so generosity is like what, what changes on the inside. It's a, it's a willingness to freely give what we have humbly received. It's almost like we have moved from being grateful for the possession to where now we are thinking of our responsibility, for what we've been given. So we move from just saying, woohoo, look at all this stuff. Thank you, God. You're so good to me. We move from that to where, look at all this stuff. Thank you, God. And what do you want me to do with it? So we go from, from being excited about the stuff to acknowledging the responsibility we have to steward this well. God, you gave me a great vehicle. What am I supposed to do with it? You've given me a solid income. So what do I do with this? You've given me a talent. You've given me a beautiful home. What do I do with all of this? That's generosity comes in when we acknowledge the fact that we're not just grateful but that we are stewards of what we have. And then I believe that that sense of, of, of generosity, that, that, that likelihood that you are going to be a giver, then, then instantly flows into this idea of giving. And giving is just an act of transference. Like I'm transferring 
what God has freely given to me and seeing myself as a steward of what I've been given. And so I'm going to transfer what God has given to me to somebody who God wants to have it. I don't even know if that's good English. But here's what it's like. God, thank you. Oh, okay. Here you go. Thank you, God. Okay. I'm the transferer. I'm not just the recipient. I'm the distributor. Like I'm the one who God gives the stuff to because he thought he could trust me with it. And now my job is to continue the flow, to not let it stop with me. But this is what has got to be so frustrating to God. So many people stop at gratitude. Woohoo! Yes, thank God. And God's like, and? And? And then some are like, woohoo! Thank you, God. Oh, man, now what do I do with all this stuff? There's a lot of people I could help, and, and man, I could really grow the kingdom, but then I would have to, yeah. And we stop, and we damn the flow. I just said that to get your attention. It worked. I should have paused longer. But we damn the flow. Like all of a sudden we put up like a road block and so you, where, I don't know, where, where do you stop? So, so the idea is like, like thank you God. Wow, well, now I have this stuff. Oh, they need, okay, here you go. And then God graces us more. And I'm not saying that like as we are giving, God's gonna just keep showing, but to me it just makes sense that with whatever we have been giving, if we are truly grateful, then here's what the the grace-filled giving flow should look like. Grace leads to gratitude, leads to generosity, leads to giving. That's that's how the flow ought to go. And so the question is, like, like, (laughs) where would you draw a line? Where's your line? Like, where, where have you stopped the flow you fully acknowledge that everything comes from God and you've accepted the grace of God. And you may even feel like, yeah, I love being a part of a generous church. But you ain't. It just feels good to be around people who are. No, like, like at what point do you draw the line where you say, that's as far as I am. So here's... <laughs> My goal today is to, is to get you to, to remove the line, to unstop the dam, to, to stop stagnating, to increase the flow. Because God's given you all kinds of stuff. And you've been blessed with abilities and you've blessed with, with, with the life that you get to have. And to whom much is given... Much is required. And I truly believe that one day we're going to give an account. So, so and, I, and I think, honestly, that's like one of the worst reasons to be generous. But it is a reason. There's so much better reasons to be a giver. 
Let me give you a couple. Giving is a beautiful act of worship. Like it is, giving does something to us. It's a beautiful expression of our worship. So if you know me well, you know that, that I'm a conflicted person. Okay. I'm, I'm a slow cooker. Like it takes me years to make decisions. It just frustrates my family. Because I'm not in a hurry to make a mistake. That's, how, that's what I tell everybody anyway. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds justifiable. It sounds noble. Truth of the matter is, I'm so conflicted. So, so let me give you a little example. So we take an offering here. Number one, I hate that word. I'd rather give offerings, right? But we pass the plates or bags, whatever we do. There have been moments where I'm like, yeah, I just hate how that feels. I don't want people to think that we just want their money, and I don't want to be that preacher that talks about money all the time, and I'm not. But it's like I get, and we have offering boxes in the back in case we you know, skip you, you give you an extra opportunity. <laughs> but a lot of people feel like that's an opportunity to worship the Lord. Like we are singing, and we are giving, And that's just a beautiful way to honor the Lord. And I get that. And so I want you to understand that that God has blessed us as a church because of the generosity of his people who have been blessed by an incredibly generous God. And we're in a good place. And there's so much that God wants to do and, and, and to be quite honest with you, like he does it through you. And thank you for the privilege of pastoring this beautiful family of people. But I don't ever want to get to where we are restricting. I was reading something about church growth recently, and they call them pinch points. Pinch points. Like God is trying to do something and your church has pinch points. A pinch point might be something as practical as a foyer that's too small. Or limited seating. Hello. Or a bad parking lot. Or a one-way driveway. Hello. God was sharing this with me. I don't need your help. (laughs) But these pinch points, these pinch points like God wants to do something. but So don't be a pinch point. Like, God wants to do something through you, through this flow of grace-filled giving. Don't be a pinch point. Proverbs chapter 3, we're very familiar with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, which we'll read in just a minute. It's a life verses for a lot of people, but if you read just a little bit further, I love what, what the author says here in Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, honor the Lord with your substance what in other words honor God with the stuff that you have how's that happening how's that happening like like how are how is God being honored with what you own what you have Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Like in other words, this, the way they did it was they would, take their, they would take their harvest and the first harvest was always given to God. And then they had to trust the Lord for the rest. 
like it was this fir- the first fruits. So, so God <laughs> got dibs on the first. You're getting nervous now. So shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Giving is an expression of worship. Honor God with your stuff, folks. It's a way to, it's a way to worship the Lord. It's an expression of worship. And then look at verses 5 and 6. These are very popular verses in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Isn't that interesting that that came before honoring the Lord with your substance? And lean not to your own understanding. Doesn't make any sense to me. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Isn't that beautiful? And then you read a couple verses down. Honor the Lord. So there's faith involved here. So here's the second thing about giving is that it is an act of faith. And sometimes like, yeah, I just feel this is what God wants me to do. And I don't know where your faith is, but giving is a faith builder. So it's not just an act of faith. It's something that grows your faith. So I don't know where you are. So like, let's just say, okay, let's just say you're a, you're a buck a week club. Like you drop a dollar in the offering every week, and so you're part of the buck a week club. We're just going to call it the, the dollar club. That's fine. So that's where you are. How about we go to the $2 club? See if maybe God can come through if you give $2. And, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to be too funny about it. I'm just saying that wherever you are, like if it's a, if it's a means of building our faith, if it is a way that we can grow our faith through giving, then let's just see how... How we're going to do with this? So, so where are we going next with this? And and I think that a lot of times giving is an act of faith for a lot of people. So the first Thanksgiving, where we see uh, we see pictures of it, um, or what we think it might have looked like in 1620, 102 pilgrims came over. They meant to land in Virginia. They landed in Massachusetts just as winter was setting in, and it was an incredibly hard winter. That winter, all but three families had to bury a loved one. Shelter was very nominal. Food was very scarce. Disease was rampant. And by spring, there was only 53 people who survived. The Wampanoag Indians took pity on them and helped them grow some, some, some food. And, and then that, that year, they got together and they celebrated together. But that was an act of faith. Like they weren't celebrating because God had just like dumped all this bounty on them. They were, it was harvest time and they were grateful for what they had. But it was an act of faith to, to step out and have this Thanksgiving dinner. Giving is also a means of transformation. And I think this is one of my favorite. Because it not only transforms the person who is the recipient, it, trans, it transforms the giver. Like whatever God is doing in your heart. The giver is been, has been benefited and enriched by God. And now he's looking at all that he has and he feels like there's something that God wants him to do with this. So he prays about it. He, 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 he thinks about it. He maybe writes down some ideas and when he gets clear direction, he gives it the way that God wants him to give it. And not only does he just increase the flow then from God, but then that recipient, whoever is the, is the receiver, just got some grace from the Lord through you. And that's a beautiful way that this is supposed to be working, this grace-filled giving flow. Your faith grows, their faith grows, and then finally, giving is a measure of gratitude. 
I'm so grateful to God for all that he's done. How grateful? How do you measure that? I think giving is a way to measure your gratitude. There's this Old Testament practice called gleanings. And so they were told, like, while they're, while they're harvesting a field, stuff that dropped down that didn't gather up, just leave it alone. Just leave it there. Because there will be people who come behind you and they'll, they'll scour your fields after you're gone, and that's for them. And then when you, when you uh, go around the corners of your field, don't, don't pick or don't, don't harvest the corners of your field. Leave those for the, the less fortunate. But there was never any specific width given. Like, so, so, like how big of a margin am I supposed to leave, God? Is it 10 feet? Am I supposed to leave 50 feet on the corners? How much fruit am I supposed to leave on the tree? How much, you know, like, you know, we're only supposed to beat the tree one time. And then we're supposed to leave the rest for those less fortunate. All right, God doesn't give those specifics. And I would like to think that the size of your margin is a measurement of the gratitude of your heart to all that God has given you. And I don't have any Bible to back that up. But I think it's a beautiful thing. Like, like how much are you willing to give? How big is your margin? How wide are your edges? How generous will you be? How much will you give? And I think that that is a beautiful way to measure the amount of gratitude that you feel towards the God that has given you so much. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about, about their gifting, like, they, like they, they'd given. And he says this, he says that he that sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And then this is where I wanted to focus, every man according as he purposes in his heart. And when you look into that word purposes just a little bit, it has the idea of thoughtfully giving, like really considering this, and then engaging your heart along with it. And then he says this, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love this. And the Amplified Version says this about that word cheerful. God loves when your heart is in the gift. Isn't that beautiful? That's the kind of giving that God is looking for. Like I want somebody who is in this and whose heart is in the gift that they're giving to where it's not just clinical. It's not just a transaction. It's not just a check. It's like this feels right. This is, now, now let me tell you, you should do it whether it feels right or not. I mean, I, that's, that's my opinion. Like, right is still right. And we'll cash a check if you're a griper. That's fine. Still spends. But you're going to be benefited if you give out of a cheerful heart to where your heart is in this. Let me just, let me just put this as nicely as I can. Like, we're good. This is for you. Okay, we're good. I mean, I think, we haven't had a budget meeting for a while, but I think we're good. We don't owe any money. We pay our bills. 
We have money in the bank. So it's not like we're hurting, and I'm not starting a building campaign. I'm just saying, this is for you. Like, where are you at on this? Where are you stopping the grace flow? This is for you. How is God challenging you this morning? I'm not, here's the thing, I'm not even asking you because we need something. I'm just saying, I love Thanksgiving. And we're good at the thanks. But I just don't think that we have perfected giving. And I, I really feel that that's part of the natural flow of all of this. And I want you to enjoy life. And I want you to, to, to be able to experience the blessings of God in a greater way. And this is a beautiful way to just grow your faith and to worship the Lord and to measure your gratitude. And so what I want you to wrestle with this morning is like, what does God want me to do with this? Like, God, like, what? So, so where am I? So, so you don't understand, Eric. I'm, I, I barely make it. Week to week. We live paycheck to paycheck along with 60% of America. So I'm asking you to be thoughtful about what you do with all that God has given you. You're not accountable to me. It's between you and God. Here's, my job is to show you what I think God says in the word. It's your job what you do with it. I know that it's a lot easier for me to ask God to take care of me if I've taken care of what he's given me already. Pin drop. And I'm not perfect at it. I do automated giving. Like I, I just have the same amount taken out of my bank account every single week like clockwork. I never even have to hardly think about it. But then there are times when I feel impressed. Yep, we're doing this. Melissa and I play this game where like, how much are you thinking? I don't know how much are you thinking. Well, I don't want to say because my number might be higher than yours. And I usually end up going first, and she's like, oh, good, that's more than I thought. But it's fun to give. And let me, let me just tell you, if you'll be more thoughtful about that, maybe you'll get better at your finances. But like when you just willy-nilly spend everything you have, like, oh, I got a, I got a pay raise, that means I can get a better car. I can get a bigger house. And we just spend all the increase that God gives us instead of being thoughtful about it and saying, you know what? I believe I have some responsibility here. It's amazing that when you are more thoughtful about giving, that you become more thoughtful about finances in general. And we've taken this about as far as I think we can handle. But I love you. And I mean that with all my heart. And I want you to experience what it is like to be a grace-filled giver that not just appreciates what God has done, but that you love to use what God has given for his kingdom and to help other people. And it doesn't always work like I give and then all of a sudden my coffers are refilled. It doesn't always work that way. God's not a slot machine. All right? But God has already blessed me more than I deserve. And I don't always give because it's a need. I give because I love God. And I want to honor him this way. I hope you hear my heart. I love you. And God wants what better. God don't need your money. We don't mind it so much. 
Look, <laughs> but God don't need your money. He wants, he wants you to live the abundant life and be filled with blessings and show the gratitude that you say you have by giving generously. That's all I got to say. Now it's on you. Now it's on you. So let's pray, and then we will uh, be dismissed. God, we love you, and we are a fan. And help us to act like it. We want to be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. We don't want to be on the sidelines. We want to be participating. We want to see what this is like. And I pray, Father, that if somebody's on the edge here, like they jump in, that you would show yourself very real to them. We love you. And we want to be passionately committed followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen.